So please stand, if you're able, for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Lamentations, chapter 1. Lamentations, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This is the Word of the Lord. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She who is great among the nations... She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious treasures that were hers from days of old when her people fell into the hand of the foe and there was none to help her. Her foes gloated over her. They mocked at her downfall. This is the Lord's Word. Father, thank You that Your Word always accomplishes its purpose. May it do so today in our lives. Amen. You may be seated. The words just read come from a short book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's not the most familiar book in the Bible, except perhaps for a a few verses in chapter 3. If you've heard uh, the phrases, great is thy faithfulness and and, uh, your mercies are new every morning. Those come from the middle of Lamentations, chapter 3. But like all the Word of God, Lamentations needs to be heard. So we're going to work through Lamentations over the next couple of months. And uh, I want to begin with some background. Because as you you just heard, the, the opening words to this book are quite um, describing something quite terrible that happened to the city of Jerusalem. So, as we begin with with some background, first, I want to talk about what Lamentations is about. Lamentations is a book of poetry that mourns or grieves the destruction of Jerusalem. It was written after the destruction of Jerusalem that took place by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. This was 
a destruction that God had promised through several of his prophets, including the prophet Jeremiah. A destruction that came upon the nation of Judah for their sin because they had abandoned God. And so the opening of Lamentations, these first three verses, describe Jerusalem like a widow in mourning. She's been abandoned by her friends and she's been made a slave to foreigners. Just listen to verse, verse 1 again with, with that context in mind of the destruction of Jerusalem. Verse 1, How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. How like a widow... She has become she who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Now, verse two is talking about the nations like the nation of Egypt that had made alliances with Judah that abandoned them when the Babylonians came. They were not there to help them. As the Lord had said, if you trust in man, they will, they will fail you. They needed to trust the Lord, but they did not. And so they were abandoned. Friends had become their enemies. And what was the result? Verse 3 tells us Judah has gone into exile through affliction and hard, hard labor. She dwells now among the nations, scattered, but finds no resting place. So the book opens with this hopeless picture of a great princess reduced to poverty. Once honored, but now abandoned by her, her lovers. Jerusalem was destroyed. The, the survivors were taken as slaves. If you're taking notes, uh, the occasion for writing, or the context, the reason for writing, was that Jerusalem was destroyed. And we're going to see that come up again and again as, as we go through the book as the people of God process what, what happened. Traditionally, these poems were attributed to the prophet Jeremiah. The Greek Septuagint adds this heading at the beginning of the book. It says, And it came to pass after Israel had been taken captive and Jerusalem had been laid waste, Jeremiah sat weeping and lamented this lament over Jerusalem. Now, the Greek Septuagint was a translation of the Hebrew Scriptures that was written much later. Um, so we, we don't know for certain who wrote the book of Lamentations. But that was traditionally the view of the Jewish people, that it was the prophet Jeremiah. I don't see any reason why, why we should reject that. Um, and we can say for certain, regardless of who authored the book, that these poems were written by someone that was 
intimately familiar with Jeremiah's prophecies. You'll see a lot of echoes in the themes as you read the prophet Jeremiah, what he foretold, and lamentations looking back at what has happened and grieving this awful, awful event, the terrible judgment of God. And uh, we can also say from reading Lamentations that this was somebody who must have endured that siege of Jerusalem and saw the city fall to Babylon's armies. It comes from first-hand knowledge of what happened. Someone with personal knowledge and eyewitness to this great destruction. So, so if you're taking notes, um, the author is Jeremiah or a close associate, someone who witnessed the fall of Jerusalem. And, and the genre of this book is that of a lament. This is a dirge or a mourning song. It was written to, to mourn and process the sin and the suffering and the judgment of Jerusalem and all Judea. You think of these laments, these, these poems, as inspired mourning that help us to, to understand what God did, why He did it how the people should respond to God's judgment. It's inspired mourning, and it's written in a poetic form. So the genre is, is lament, sorrow. The structure of lamentations is also important. How, how the book was put together. Lamentations is made up of five separate poems. Four of them are acrostic. Acrostic means that each stanza or each verse begins with one of the, the 22 Hebrew letters. Okay? So in the Hebrew text, you have one of the, each letter before a new verse. And then... There's a fifth poem that concludes them, and it does, it's not acrostic, but it does have 22 verses. One of the benefits of these acrostics is they would have been easier to remember. Those that, those that knew the Hebrew language, they could memorize. Right, that goes with that letter. And it helped to organize the book. The third chapter is also unique. There are 66 stanzas, or in our translations in English, are verses. And, and so under each Hebrew letter, there are three stanzas, three verses. So it's even longer and even more intricately put together. Why do I talk about that? Well, I talk about it because um, it's something that we, we often don't catch in our English translations. And also, 
because it was done deliberately. This is one of the most incredibly organized books in the Bible. And, and yet, the content is very much the opposite. And I believe that that was intentional. You have a, a deliberate contrast here between the, the orderliness and the structure of these poems and what they're talking about. This raw grief and lament and questions and protests and confessions. In a way, the structure and order helps to make sense of all the disorderliness and the, the heartache that the remnant of the Jews must have felt. So the structure is very organized and it's intentional. It serves to help to make sense of all that they're going on. It kind of makes sense to us when you think of your own practical experience when, when we're, you're lamenting something in mourning, uh, having some sense of structure and normalcy in life, even a small thing makes a big difference because of because of how awful the situation might be. Lamentations was considered so important in the Jewish tradition that this was a scroll that was read every year to commemorate that fall, the fall of Jerusalem. Every year in mid-July, on the ninth of the month of Ab, in the Hebrew calendar, so that they could remember these things. So that they, too, could learn from what had happened. Why us, though? Why, why should you and I study lamentations? What does the fall of Jerusalem have to do with, with us? Well, my short answer is that lamentations models a biblical response for us, a biblical response to sin and to suffering and judgment. So that we would understand how God would have us to respond even to such terrible things. Terrible judgments as the fall of Jerusalem. So that we ourselves would learn from this example in the Scriptures. Lamentations is one of those parts of scripture that puts words to a lot of our deepest feelings it's, it's a book that that we can relate to especially when times are not going well even if it, it's not our exact situation our situations are very different from the historical events recorded here but we have much to learn from what happened when Jerusalem fell. What happened in the aftermath. 
much to learn about expressing our deepest heartaches and our own sins and bringing our own troubles to the Lord. I appreciate the way that uh, scholar John Goldingay put it. He said, Lamentations comprises or makes up a multifaceted response to the events in 587 that embraces grief, explanation, protest, confession, and appeal. We've got a lot going on. It's a bit like a whirlwind. We have this mashup of human emotions going on. And it's all expressed before God. To God. As God's people begin to make sense of the tragedy of Jerusalem's fall. And and through that, we too can learn to make sense of our own messy, sinful, and pain-filled lives. Lamentations is is very honest. It forces us to confront difficult things and ask ourselves, where do I turn? Where will I turn in times of trouble? So I want to... That's a bit of background, a lot of things to think about. But how should we lament? That's the, the question I want to, to answer from the text before us, from the first uh, chapter, the first lament. What does it look like to express our hurt and pain and sin to God? Well, it looks as messy and honest as Lamentations chapter 1. Lament is simply an expression of sorrow. You lament something, you're you're in mourning. You're sorrowful over, over this. It might be sorrow over sin. It might be sorrow over some suffering in your life. In the case of, of Judah, it was because of their sin first, and secondly, because of the suffering that they faced under the Babylonians. So we could read in, in like verse 4. Turn with me to verse 4. We read verses 1 to 3 kind of as an introduction to the context of Lamentations. You have this city that has been brought down to the depths because they had abandoned God and they're now in exile. Let's look at verse 4. The roads to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. So you have this lament, this mourning that's going on. The the poet is voicing everything that 
Jerusalem has lost and is grieved by it. But I think there is more that we can say about the laments in Lamentations and the laments in other portions of the Scripture. Specifically, two words come to mind when reading this first lament. Those two words are honest and heartfelt. Honest and heartfelt. It may seem obvious, but it's worth pointing out that these laments are not words for show. This is the heartfelt cry of a crushed spirit. Let me give you a couple of examples from from further on in Lamentations chapter 1. Turn to verse 12. And then after we'll read verse 16. The poet says, Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. And verse 16, for these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears for a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit. My children are desolate. For the enemy has prevailed. There's a heartfelt honesty about these cries. Acknowledging even that it was the Lord. So genuine lament. It's not a show of tears. It's not done for people. It's heartfelt. It's not something that we can manufacture. Genuine lament is also honest. It doesn't sugarcoat the situation. Take verse 5. We read verse 4, now verse 5. Her foes have become the head. The foes of Jerusalem are are the rulers now. They're the ones in charge. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. In this case, the situation is a judgment of God for Israel's sin. And the poet acknowledges this. He does not walk around it. He doesn't pretend. He doesn't just get mad at God. He acknowledges the truth of the matter. Biblical lament is honest about the situation. Honest about sin. Real and honest about the suffering, the pain, doesn't hide feelings, but says it how it is. 
Let's read a couple more verses. Verses, uh, the end of chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. And, and just to, to see more of the, the honesty of the lament. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My heart churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves. In the house, it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins where my groans are many and my heart is faint. The poet doesn't hide anything there. Even the desire that those who had destroyed Jerusalem that they would get what was coming for them. It's full of groans and distress and stomach is upset. You, you kind of maybe know that feeling. The heart is wrung inside of you like it's just being squeezed out like a cloth, you know. There's a misconception that a lot of people have that it's inappropriate to express the depths of our feelings. Um, guilt and grief and questions are to be pushed aside just to be happy and positive. But the Bible is not afraid to go there to the depths of pain and sorrow. The Bible is not afraid Talk about the sin that crushes us and the consequences of our sins. But notice in verse 20 Look, O Lord. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. The city calls out to God. That's the difference between a hopeless despair that there's no answer, there's no uh, relief, there's no hope, there's no help, and, and the hope that comes when we turn to the Lord. To grieve with hope, as the Apostle Paul said, when he was speaking about the, those that beloved brothers and sisters that, that had died, said that we can grieve with hope because we know our Lord and we can turn to Him. So our Lord says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, verse 4. And that he is near to the brokenhearted. And that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53 verse 4. 
Do you believe that he has done this? The proof is in what our Lord has done. The Lord God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Entered into human existence and suffered in all respects like us. He knows what it is like to lament. I was just reading this morning in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 19 how how Jesus, like Jeremiah, looks down on Jerusalem and weeps. They don't realize the coming destruction that would come upon them. And Jerusalem was destroyed again in 70 A.D. Our Lord knew what it was like to grieve and lament. And yet he suffered without sin. So he is able to redeem us and to rescue us. When Lamentations was written, all they had was the promise. They had received many of the promises of God. That he would bless them by faith like their father Abraham. But Lamentations leaves us with questions. Now the reality has come. Jesus Christ. So what will you and I do with him? What will you do with the Lord? Folks, the the omniscient, all-knowing God knows your deepest heart. And He invites you and I to trust Him with our fears and griefs and darkest secrets. To turn to Him with our sins. Lest we too be like the city of Jerusalem that fell. The gospel is the good news that we might repent. That we might agree with God about our sin and our need of Him. And to believe in Jesus who died for us and who rose again. And He will forgive our sins. And He will bear our sorrows with us. He will be a Savior. And like a shepherd, He'll lead us. And as our King, He's victorious. Folks, have you been honest with God? And cried out to Jesus for salvation. For for help and for comfort. Today. You can do this. Today you can turn to him. And I am not going to promise you the road is easy because our Lord said it wouldn't be. But he said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we sang with the kids this morning, you know, his commandments aren't aren't a burden. When we love him, 
when we know Him because He walks with us. We can talk about woe is me and mourn and cry and be sad till the cows come home and that won't do us any good if we don't bring all of that to the Lord. All of our questions. Don't be afraid to do that. The doubts, the, the sin, the suffering that you experience in this life, He can handle it. That leads us to our, our last point. Biblical lament is honest, it's heartfelt, and it acknowledges the Lord in the midst of trouble. So let's do that as the people of God, as the poet did when he acknowledged God is in the midst of, of Jerusalem's trouble. He says it again and again. It's as if this is, this is the theme that we need to remember. He says in verse 9, her uncleanness was in her skirts. He's talking about Jerusalem as like a woman personified. She took no thought of her future or she did not consider the consequences of her sin. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She is no comforter. She cried, O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed crying out to the Lord, acknowledging, as I, I'm unclean, I need help. If, it, if it's not for you, God, the enemy has triumphed. Look at verse 11. All her people groan as they search for bread. They're trading all of their treasures for food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. Turning to the Lord again. Verse 18. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against His word. But hear, all you peoples, and see my sufferings, my young women and my young men have gone into captivity. To be able to say, God, you are in the right. Verse 20 again. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns and my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves. In the house, it's like death. The sword causes mourning everywhere it's used. The sword can only kill and destroy. But the Lord is able to redeem. But you know what? This is where so many times we check out. We want a Savior that can sympathize with us. And He does. Our Lord does. 
But we don't want a Father who chastises. We don't want a Lord who allows suffering. But God is in the whirlwind of your life and mine. He is active in the midst of the crashing waves of your emotions. All that you feel. I was reading a proverb that basically said that um, only the person knows the, the thoughts and the feelings of our hearts. We can't get inside the head of another one. But the Lord knows. And he's over all. So turn to him. The poet saw God as over all and in all, even though he didn't know how the Lord would work things out. We have the promise of God in Jesus Christ, in whom every promise he has made is yes and amen. We have the cross and the resurrection that demonstrates to us day in and day out that God keeps his word. That he has indeed carried our griefs and borne our sorrows. So we don't wail into the dark of night, into nothingness. We cry out before God. We can do that even when we don't have answers. Like the the poet. He didn't know yet. How could God work this out? How could he bring good out of the destruction of Jerusalem? Lament poem number one doesn't end cheery and glad. And most of the poems don't. But they teach us that there is one who hears our heartfelt cries and, and is pleased when we turn to him. When, when we, we don't try to make sense of our troubles apart from him, but we go to him. We know that he is pleased because he heard those words that were written down. And he preserved them for us so that we too could acknowledge in our troubles, we could acknowledge the Lord and turn to him. Be honest before him. I suppose the question is, will you? Will you and I honestly face the sin and suffering and judgment, and not only that's around us, but, but within our hearts and our own lives? Will you lament with hope, turning to the Lord in your pain and your questions? Will you cry out to God in the midst of devastation? As a place to begin, let the word of the Lord and lamentations be your guide in the coming weeks. Have a read through. 
take the time to write down observations. What's going on? There's some details. What does this mean? Ask your questions. And write out your own heartfelt, honest prayers to God. And as you lament the sorrow and sin and trouble about and within you, as you voice your cries to God, hear these words of God. From Romans chapter 15, verse 13. These words are spoken to all who trust in the Father's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen.